Hi, my name's Tori and I wish I knew more about blood products. Hi, my name's Letitia. I wish I knew more about taking care of myself when starting shift work. Hi, my name is Lydia. I wish I would know more about how to work as in a team and solve conflict. Hello, welcome to Five Things, the nursing podcast from the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital. My name is Liz Crow. I'm Jesse Spur, and this is a podcast by, for, and with the amazing nurses and health professionals in our corner of the world. We hope to connect with a global community as we move from surviving to thriving. Welcome to Five Things. Hello, my name is Liz Crow, And I'm Jesse Spur. Welcome to another episode of Five Things Nursing. Now, we're doing something very special today because this is part of the 14-day self-care challenge. We're embedding this podcast into it. And I was lucky enough, I wanted to put something in the challenge on kindness and I was playing around on the internet and I found this amazing person called Mel Kettle, who we are welcoming today to talk to us about kindness. Now, Mel describes herself as a leadership communication consultant. She's also an author. And the way I found her is she had a beautiful podcast called Disconnected Life, where she'd done a wonderful podcast on kindness. And so we have invited her today to do the same with us. Welcome, Mel. Thanks so much, Liz and Jesse. It's great to be here. We're really excited. And as we step outside of healthcare, the... Our our intro process is always with nurses to say, what's your origin story? But I'm particularly curious because you're in this nebulous space and you could have had many ways to get there. So we'd, we'd love to know your professional origin story. Oh, it, I've been thinking about this a lot recently and just thinking about how did I get to where I am today? And I started my professional life. I guess my first job was doing reception desk duties in the school holidays for the management consulting firm my father worked for. And then um, I worked at David Jones, I worked in restaurants, and then I moved back to Australia from Vancouver and worked organising conferences, worked for a small conference management company. Um, And then burned out in my late 20s because conference management and event management is very easy to do, 80 to 100 hours a week without, you know, enough sleep, way too much alcohol and lots of other vices that yeah. can come in. Um, moved to Queensland when I was 30, joined the public sector when I was 31, started consulting when I was 36, and I just decided life's too short to work for other people. What can I do? Um, I'll just become a consultant. And <laughs> I took leave without pay for six months from my public job had no intention of going back, didn't want to take leave without pay because I had no intention of going back. And my husband said to me, you're telling people you're a marketing consultant. If you can't market yourself into enough work in six <laughs> months, do you really deserve to be charging other people for that service? <laughs> That's that old adage of if you can't do it, teach it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I just went, oh, that's a bit harsh, but quite fair. I say that very warmly as an educator. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, a large part of what I do now is teaching. I just teach in a classroom. So when I started consulting in 2006, I can't believe it's been 18 years this year, I started out writing annual reports and coordinating corporate reports. And then I moved into more um, communication and marketing strategy development, small businesses, projects for research centres. Then when I was um, 40, 
when I was 40 and 41, my mum and dad died really unexpectedly. Mm. And it just gave me this massive wake-up call. And it was such a great reminder that life is really short. And if you don't love almost everything that you're doing, then what are you going to do about it? Because nobody else can take control over what you do in life apart from you. Mm. And so I made some big changes. And these days I love nearly everything I do. I live on the Sunshine Coast. Um, I walk on the beach nearly every day. And from a work perspective, I work with amazing leaders and teams. I work with incredible women who are in their 40s and 50s navigating perimenopause and big jobs and kids and hormonal changes and aging parents. And I help them to understand the importance of self-leadership, of leading yourself first so that you can become a better leader of others. Because as you know, um, and I feel like it's quite timely in being part of your self-care program here, you don't put your self-care first. And if you don't manage your, you know, have healthy boundaries and know when to say no, treat yourself with kindness, do things that lift you up and bring you joy, then life is really hard. And when life is hard, it's really easy to be grumpy and snappy and cranky with everybody around you. Yeah. And when you work in the healthcare sector, that's not a good look. No. And look, that's such a great um, segue into what we're going to talk about today because the first page of the self-care challenge every year is around self-awareness, that it all well-being Mm. uh, and self-care has to start with self-awareness. So we're singing to the same tune, Mel, so that's wonderful. So let's get straight into talking about kindness. Your number one is what does it mean to be kind? Yeah, look, being kind, uh, there's two components to kindness. You need to be kind to yourself and then you need to be kind to the other things and other people around you. And when we're kind, we display empathy, we show compassion, we have generosity towards us. And I look at the people in my life and I think, wow, some of you are so incredibly kind to others, but you've got this voice in your head that you listen to that tells you that you're worthless and hopeless and how dare you go for that promotion and what are you even thinking wearing that dress because that makes every part of you look fat. And so why aren't we more kind to ourselves? So I think when we think about kindness, it's how do we actively contribute positively not only to the well-being of others, but also to our own well-being so that we can live, you know, a, a, a better life. <laughs> yeah. And I guess what I um, wrote in the, in the challenge is that kindness is an action. You know, it needs to be experienced by others because I think it's become a bit of a buzzword. You know, you just need to be kind. We need to be kind. Um, you can't just say, I'm a kind person. Someone has to experience your kindness. They have to experience your generosity. They have to experience your empathy and your warmth and your understanding. Otherwise, you're just using words, aren't you? Oh, so true, so true. And I often think as well that the people who talk about being kind, they're actually just all talk and no action. Yeah. True kindness. <laughs> people don't brag about it. People don't talk about it. And I sometimes you know, when I'm on social media and people are saying, oh, I did this kind thing and I did that kind thing. I do often think, you know, you can do a kind thing, not tell anybody. Yeah, you can just yourself. do it. Yeah. <laughs> you can just, you know, do a random act of kindness and, or you can do something that's more premeditated. 
and you don't need to tell the world. Yeah. You've just got to make a TikTok of it when you do it because that <laughs> seems to be there's this whole channel of TikTokers that do staged acts of generosity. Mm. And to me... Yeah, and how would you feel as the other person if you're on the receiving end of that yeah. and then you see yourself on the news that night because it's gone viral? Like, yeah. How would you feel? There's no... To me, kindness has also got to be authentic. So if I've got a video myself being kind or if I've got to then say, I just did something really kind to you and I am a wonderful person, then to me, you've, t- you've taken away the generosity in it and you've made it about yourself because, you know, kindness to self is a, a compassionate act. Kindness to others is a compassionate act. It's not a marketing tool. Absolutely agree. And I feel that... Um, when we're kind to others, the most, well, when people, I, I think about all the times that people have been kind to me and the times that have been the most impactful and that I remember the most are the times I really didn't expect it yeah. because of, you know, whatever else was going around at the time. Like I remember um, when my mum died, it was really unexpected and I put on Twitter, holy crap, my mother's just died. Mm. And uh, somebody who I didn't know but I'd been following for years was Deb from Della Mano Brownies, Brisbane Brownie and Cake Institution. Um, And she messaged me and she said to me, would your dad like some brownies? Do you think they'd, you know, lift him up even just for three seconds? Mm. And I said, bugger dad, I love brownies. Give me some brownies. (laughs) Um, But then I said... I'm not in Brisbane, I'm in Gosford, and so it's all just too difficult. So thank you so much, but don't worry about it. And she said, just give me your address and I'll send them. And so a week later, I'm not even a week, probably about three days later, this massive box arrived. It was the size of two shoeboxes put together, and it was full of their amazing brownies plus some ginger cookies plus a couple of other new products that they were trialling. And I just opened it and thought, I don't even know you. Yeah. Like, uh, we, yes, we've been talking on Twitter for a year or two and and we've got a lot in common, but I don't, we've never met. Hmm. That's generosity. And nothing. Yeah. It was so kind and it was so generous. And I was trying to explain to dad how we met and we hadn't. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it just, like, it's a story that I tell all the time because it touched me so much, but she didn't expect anything from that. No. It was just... That's who she is. Yeah. A kind person who's also very understated. Yeah. And I remember the first time I spoke about that um, at a conference, she was in the room and she was so embarrassed. She said, I didn't t- do that for you for you to tell people. Mm. And I went, I know you didn't. And that's true and kindness. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> true. It was. Yeah. It was. It was thoughtful. And so true acts of kindness are thoughtful. They're considered, they leave a lasting impact. Beautiful. I'm, I think leaving an, a lasting impact, though, often with just small gestures, isn't it? Just It doesn't have yeah. to be grandstanding. Your number two is that kindness is an antidote to loneliness. Yeah, I never really thought about it in that way until I read Dr. Vivek Murthy's really great book called Together, The Healing Power of Human Connection in a Sometime Lonely World. And Dr. Murphy was the, um, oh, total menopausal memory blank here. He was the um, um, equivalent of the chief medical officer in the United States, the Surgeon General of the United States when Barack Obama was president. 
And he was, he wrote this book after his term about loneliness. And he said when he first became Surgeon General, he toured the United States and he asked questions around what are the biggest things that you're facing from a health and medical perspective. And he said all the usual things came up, the opioid addiction, fear of cancer, fear of mental health issues, like a lot of big, big issues. But he said there was this underlying message that wasn't really being articulated and it was loneliness. Yeah. He said the number of people he spoke to who were really lonely just really shocked him. And he said he talked to one woman whose um, son had been caught up in the, with an opioid addiction and had died. And she said she felt so much shame about how he died because it was in the media at the time, um, the opioid epidemic was just seen as this big, bad, nasty thing mm. that she lied to people about how he died. And so it was just, the whole book is about how do we, how do we support, how do we prevent loneliness in ourselves and how do we prevent loneliness um, or, or mitigate loneliness in a society more broadly? And he said, one of the things he said, he said, is that kindness to others is an antidote to loneliness because when we're kind to others, it shifts the focus from us to somebody else reaffirming that we have value to bring to the world. Wow. What a beautiful quote. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? And I highly recommend the book. It's one of the best books I've ever read on anything. Um, And I read it at the beginning of COVID. It came out in March 2020. And it just really, it helped me in that first year of COVID with lockdowns and uncertainty. It was a bit of a beacon for me to realise that there were things that I had control of and things that I could do to make it a less awful experience. Yeah. And look, as someone who has done counselling for a very long time, I think, you know, often people come and they're there because they're concerned about their weight or they're concerned about their career or they're concerned about... But underlying that so often is loneliness. And I read a fictional book once, actually, where um, the protagonist in the book was an elderly man who kind of had lost contact with his children. And he said, when I'm walking in the street, I deliberately bump into people so that they have to acknowledge that I exist. And that has really stuck with me. And so I, I'm, I'm a chatty person. I grew up in regional Australia, so I tend to say hello to people wherever I am. But I always remember that, you know, particularly with elderly people at the shops, you know, to just say, oh, the jam's getting expensive or Mm. it's been warm Mm. out there today because you just, you don't know how isolated anybody could be. And so I, I love this whole idea that kindness is building this powerful connection where, because I guess if we go back to your, your your definition or your collection of descriptions about what kindness or being kind is or what kindness is, then it's a generosity of spirit that is saying, I'm, sa- I'm the same as you. I have, I have so much more in common with you than I have that is different to you. And so that, yeah. that, con- that connection just naturally helps dissipate loneliness, doesn't it? It does. And I feel like people underestimate how prevalent feeling lonely is in society. Um, I know I work with a lot of executives and so many of the people I've worked with, men and women, you know, ranging in age from 30 up to 70, 
it's a lonely job. Being the boss, a CEO or a senior exec, it's lonely. And there's research from um, a couple of Australian reports that say more than half of CEOs say they feel lonely at work. And we know from Beyond Blue data that one in two Australians feel lonely every week. And so as you go about your day and your week and your month, ever think about the people all around you. And the more that we can recognise that at least 50% of the people who we come into contact at any given time feel lonely, the more kind hopefully we'll be. And, you know, kindness can be not jumping to conclusions about something when somebody snaps at you. It can be just listening a little bit more. It can be asking questions along the lines of, hey, how are you feeling today? And really listening to the response. And I, I just even like, if I see someone with a beautiful dress or someone with great a great beard, <laughs> I'll go, hey, that's a great beard. <laughs> like, oh, I really love your shoes or, you know, your child's hair is beautiful because it's it's about yeah. then noticing, isn't it? Just, just that we it notice is. each other. It is. And feeling seen, being seen and feeling valued is, it's that, um, it's what we all want. It's what yeah. we all strive for. And yeah. when you're lonely, you don't feel seen or valued. I guess there's the underlying premise of, of why the self-care challenge is a thing that needs to be engaged with. It really comes back to that we work in a heavy relational industry, healthcare is, where often having to, I guess, we're expected to almost professionalize kindness in mm-hmm. terms of our interactions. So there's a, there's a fatigue in that in what has largely a societal view as being an altruistic vocation that a lot of the work that we do is. It's just acknowledging that I think that's why things like the self-care challenge can be really important is that that kind of reboot on your self-awareness on how you're interacting and kind of considering have I kind of got a little bit numbed and detached um, and almost autopiloting interactions and that that with a different intent or, I guess, energy brought to them are kind, but they've become almost robotic. Yeah. Mm. I think, yeah. I think that's a great point. And I think, you know, the other thing is, is that I know I've said this in my own house, you know, like I'm not listening or I'm not communicating or I'm not being kind because I've been, I've been doing it all day. <laughs> you know, we, you just <laughs> can feel so fatigued that well, by the time we get home, you know, we're less talkative than we've been at 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 work, we're less tolerant. And, you know, I'm sure that's not just in health. I'm sure that's everywhere where people feel mm. like they've got this need to have a persona all day, every day. Um, and it's, you know, I guess there shouldn't be an end point or a, a fatigue level when it comes to kindness. But when it comes to humanity, that's the reality. But if you're not prioritizing yourself and being kind to yourself and getting enough sleep and eating the right food and having healthy boundaries in place, then there's only so much you can give to other people because you're not recharging your own batteries. Yeah. And so it's self-care is such, kindness is such a big part of self-care and I feel like so many people forget that, self-kindness. Wonderful. Mm. So your number three is the, the impact of kindness. What, can you describe what you mean by that? Yeah, I think the number one impact for people being kind to others in particular is that it makes you more connectable, which means people are going to want to um, spend more time with you, do more things with you and for you. As a business owner or, you know, as a healthcare provider, they're going to want to be in your presence. Um, and I think in with a lot of the people who are listening, 
if you're kind to your patients, then they're going to be less scared when you stick a needle in their arm or when you have to take them for a test that might cause a bit of anxiety or, you know, just the fact that they might be in a hospital or doing something that's out of their comfort zone that they've never done before. When you show kindness, you're showing them that, yes, I see you, yes, I hear you, yes, I feel you, and yes, I'm going to be gentle Mm. in some way. And there's also some real science, isn't there, about the impact for the person who is being kind, like what it does for us internally. Oh, absolutely. There's so much research that shows when you're kind, it reduces your um, your heart rate, it lowers your blood pressure, it sends um, um, happy endorphins around your body. And so the short-term and the long-term health benefits of being kind are quite significant. <laughs> And I think, you know, even when it comes to uh, looking at happiness, they're saying random acts of kindness are one of the greatest ways to building sustainable sustainable happiness for yourself, not for the person you've done it, but actually for yourself. And these don't have to be huge acts. They can just be you find a patient wandering around the hospital lost and you just, you know, gently take them to where they need to go or to be friendly to them or to help, you know, one of your colleagues out when they've got a heavy patient load and you don't. That, you know, it doesn't have to be Absolutely. you've got to make a whole roast dinner and drop it over to someone's house. <laughs> they can just be <laughs> small, repeated, you know, acts of kindness. I'm really happy to share my address if anybody would like to drop a roast dinner <laughs> over. <laughs> post it. Post it with the brownies. <laughs> exactly. Now you're talking. Yeah. So <laughs> You're right. And you know, I remember um, one of the random acts of kindness that was done to me sticks in my mind is that time that I was working as a receptionist in the um, the firm that my father was working for. The CEO came over to me one day and said, can I get you a coffee? I'm like, oh, is this a code for I should have been asking you for coffee and I've done something wrong? And he said, no, I'm going out to get coffee. Can I get you one? Because I know you can't leave the desk. And I said, oh thanks, that would be great. And I found out later that he bought coffee for the receptionist every single day. Yeah, great. And I thought, wow, that's just such a, it, it, for me it was so unexpected because it's not how, it's something that was just so, um, you know, not part of what I had ever expected a CEO to do. But it's it's also so valuing, isn't it? You know, like when yeah. someone does something for you, it's saying, I see the important contribution you're making to this, you know, hospital, this company. Yeah. I, I recognize yeah. that we couldn't function without your skill set, that you are important, even though from a pay scale, you may be several steps down the ladder. Like it's, it's, yeah. And that's what kindness does. It's, it's such a leveler to bring us all on the same page, as you said, and build that connection. And I think one of the easiest ways to show kindness is to say thank you to people. How often do you thank the people who you work with, your colleagues? Um, you know, a lot of managers thank their staff that report to them, but there's research that shows only 30% of people thank their coworkers. Hmm. And so why don't we do more of that? Um, you know, my husband went from being a, an accountant and a CFO to working at Coles, delivering groceries, and now in a Coles store. And he gets a thank you text from his boss at least twice a week when he does something that helps her out. And it might be, 
doing a job that nobody else wants to do. It might be um, staying an extra half an hour because somebody hasn't turned up or it might be going in a bit earlier because they're slammed. Mm. And it just, he says, I've never had an employer where I feel so valued and the money is atrocious compared to what he used to earn, but I've never seen him happier in a job in the 20 years we've been together. And it's, they're all really small little things that have such a massive impact on his, his mental well-being at work. Yeah, great. All right, so we've kind of touched on this already, but your number four is how being kind can make you healthier. Yeah, I think as we've talked about, um, there's studies that suggest that being kind <laughs> can lead to lowest, um, lowest risk levels, enhanced physical health because it can release you know, oxytocin and other feel-good hormones. But it also shows that when we practice kindness, we have a much more positive mindset, which leads to our overall mental well-being. And for most of us, when we have a stronger mental well-being, we're more resilient and we also have better physical health because when you're mentally well, you're much more likely to do things like eat more nutritiously, go to bed at the right time, drink less alcohol, um, engage in fewer um, habits that can be detrimental to you and so when we focus on acts of kindness and undertake acts of kindness we have a much more optimistic outlook on life yeah. and then we have more happiness overall and at, we know the expression misery loves company well happiness is the same when yeah. you're happy other people want to be around you and so when you um, have bring happiness and joy to work then people want to be around that because that's contagious mm-hmm. What a great compliment I always think when someone says someone is kind or generous of spirit. It's a it's a huge mm. compliment, isn't it? And it it is part of your well-being because if you're a kind person and you're always being kind of thoughtful of the needs of other people around you, then you're much more likely to be a better communicator. You're much more likely to have a good empathy radar. You're much more likely to be a you know someone who can collaborate on team things. You know, that those sorts of behaviours cluster together, don't they? Oh, they, they do. Yeah, they do. It's interesting as well because we're talking about making you healthier and uh, like I think it's a thing that we don't talk about a lot. We think about it as being an altruistic thing that we're doing for no, no be- there's no intention of getting benefit from it. But there's an interesting thing of social promotion theory that people that do good things get lifted up in the community that they're in. And you actually can get career advancements, you get relationship connections built. There's a lot of other things that are the intangibles that you get lifted up within the group of people that you're just doing good things for, for no intention to get lifted up. Yeah. So it's good for your career. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah. And that makes sense yeah. because people do business with people they know, love and trust. Yeah. And so when people do kind things for you or you do kind things for others, then you, that takes you a long way on that no love and trust scale. Yeah, exactly. All right, so your number five is why should we be encouraging kindness, a kindness culture at work? And, mm. and you know, how do you, how do you get a kindness culture? Oh, good question. Um, I feel like we often forget that, that when you're kind to people, they want to do more things for you. And so that should really be the number one reason. If you want people to do things for you, which includes their basic job, 
nice to them. It shouldn't be that difficult. Um, uh, Doug Conant, who's a former president and CEO of Campbell Soup Company, wrote that to win the marketplace, you first need to win the workplace. And what he means by that is that you need to be demonstrating who you are and what you stand for and what your values are through the actions and behaviours that you undertake at work. And there's no point saying, you know, we're customers for customer focused, we love our customers, if you treat your staff appallingly. Because the customers won't, the external customers won't be stupid. They'll figure it out pretty quickly because they'll be um, interacting with your staff who might not be very happy or who might be cranky and grumpy. Um, I remember years ago, I was working with a client and we were writing an article for the staff journal. And he said, our, staff, our customers are our greatest asset. And we had a 45 minute conversation about why that word customer needed to be changed to staff. Yeah, exactly. He genuinely did not believe that his that their staff were his their greatest asset. And he was in charge of 5,000 people. Mm. And all I could think was, I really wish we'd had this conversation on the first week that I was doing this job, not, you know, a few months in, because it explained so much about why I was struggling <laughs> to do the job that I'd been brought in to do, which was to develop relationships internally. Um, and I think we need to remember as well that kindness at work, it's not just about the warm fuzzies that you feel. It's about how do you improve job performance? How do you lengthen employee tenure? How do you reduce absences? Because if you're being mean to your staff or your colleagues or if they feel belittled or if they don't feel valued, then there's no way that they're going to want to come to work and show up and do their best at work. Yeah, And it might not be a deliberate choice because I don't believe anybody goes to work thinking, ooh, how can I do a bad job today? But it will be subconscious. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just It's really interesting because listening to this, there's uh, I'm sort of filtering this through, there's obviously that vertical kindness in terms of employer to employees and workforce. One thing I observe a lot as a nurse in healthcare is the lateral kindness is arguably far more important than yes. the vertical. We, we tolerate less vertical kindness, but if if our team is close and kind to each other, that, I think that's the protective factor at sick, sick days. That's why people come and do an extra shift, not because the boss asks them to, but because they know their friends colleagues are going to be struggling if they don't. So it's a it's an interesting difference, I guess, in a non-commodities-based marketplace like health where that lateral kindness just carries a different, um, I guess, yeah. sense of impact. Yeah. And, yep. and the opposite of that is in a cultural workforce in health where people do not experience kindness, where there is no culture of care and concern, is that absenteeism, retention, recruitment, it's all appalling. And I guess, you know, yeah. from a well-being point of view, if you look at every study around the well-being of any profession, but particularly healthcare, the number one thing that people want for their well-being is a sense of belonging. And you get mm. a sense of belonging when people see, hear, respect, uh, bond, connect with you, and and kindness is a big part of that link. I think the manager yeah, or, or boss can create the the soup that that sits in that makes it more likely to be tasty to want to flog the metaphor to death. 
but but the ingredients going together are, are a big thing that I think we mm. it, it has a, such a different impact in healthcare um, because of just the complete wackiness of the jobs that we have to do. Yeah, yeah. I think we also forget that the modern workforce is predicated on relationships. Yes. And relationships are strengthened when we feel valued and when we feel seen, when people are kind to each other. And, you know, I really believe that kindness begets kindness. When you're kind to somebody, they'll pay that forward, whether it's intentional or or subconscious. And so when we have this cycle of kindness in an organisation where it's being paid forward again and again and again and again, then that leads to a positive cycle of generosity and compassion and that willingness to go the extra mile or take that extra shift or to, you know, do the thing that adds that subliminal or that subconscious value that you might not even think about. I think about some of the clients I've worked with and some of the workplaces I've been involved with where everybody really did have everybody else back. Mm. And it wasn't just a value written on the website or, you know, on the wall in the office. There was story after story after story of people supporting each other. And what it came down to is that they all had really strong relationships with each other in the teams in which they were in. And those strong relationships came about because they were kind to each other and they were interested in each other. And sometimes the kindest thing you can do to somebody is say, how are you today? And then not walk away when they're giving you more than a two-word response. Yeah, exactly. And I always say that in health, it's a relationship sport. Like (laughs) we can't do anything without the multidisciplinary team. We can't do anything without each other. And that, you know, if I'm a patient, I'm getting wheeled in and I don't get a good sense that the team is on board and connected, that makes my experience more frightening, more anxiety provoking. I have less confidence in in what you've got to do. So it's an overall win in health when we've got a culture of kindness. It really is. And the patient sees that. I had to have um, a small day surgery procedure just before Christmas. And I was really scared because it had been 10 years since I'd been under anesthetic. And the whole... um, all of the staff from when I rang up to make the appointment to the person who checked me in on the first day or on the day, on the morning, to the nursing staff, to the anaesthetist, to the surgeon, they all clearly got along with each other mm. because I could hear them laughing and joking and having a good time. And it was a few days before Christmas. And so I could hear them talking together about their Christmas holiday plans and what they were doing. And it, I just got this sense. I felt calm because they exuded this, um, this, they genuinely liked each other and it was obvious to me Mm. that they got on well and they liked each other, which made me think that they'd be looking out for each other and being aware of what they were all doing professionally, which made me think if anything goes wrong or if somebody makes a mistake or if somebody is slightly distracted while I'm under anaesthetic, somebody else is going to notice that. Yeah. Because they had this sense of, a collegiality. Yeah, terrific. All right, so Mel, the way this works is I now try and summarise very briefly what you've just um, done a beautiful job of sharing <laughs> with us. So your number one is what does it mean to be kind? And you made the very important point that kindness starts with a sense of self and then once you're kind to yourself, it's much easier to be kind to others and that kindness is empathetic, it's generous, 
Um, it actively contributes to your well-being. It's authentic. It's thoughtful. It's considered, and it has a lasting impact. And we talked about, you know, kindness doesn't need to brag. And for me, I think also that kindness is an action. Someone actually has experienced someone. It's not just someone just saying they're kind. Number two is that kindness is an antidote to loneliness. And the important thing is, is that when you're kind to others, it shifts the focus from us to someone else. And so kindness is all about connection and engagement, which is the opposite to loneliness. Number three is the impact of kindness. And kindness is, you know, again, we're going to harp on about this. It's, it's strongly rooted in self-care. It starts with a, a, a generosity to self that makes you more connectable, that makes you more inclined to be kind, and people want to spend more time with you. And even though you may do an act of kindness without any kind of hope of getting a, some sort of reward for it, you will just naturally be rewarded because people want to be with you and want to spend time with you. And one of the easiest ways to be kind is to always say thank you. I always judge people on how they treat weight staff. I think it tells you a lot about someone's values. Number four is how totally being, agree with you. Yeah, how being kind can make you healthier. So we know that being kind reduces your heart rate. It reduces your blood pressure. It produces all these beautiful, happy endorphins. It helps you lower your stress. It enhances your physical health. It creates a more positive mindset, which naturally increases your well-being and increases your resilience, and that these behaviours cluster together. Number five is why should you encourage a kindness culture at work? And, you know, it's a relationship, 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 and that kindness cycles kindness. So when you are kind to someone else, it builds a level of kindness and a level of respect and it demonstrates who you are, what your values are, and you said kindness begets kindness. And uh, I think that that is a beautiful way for us to finish this podcast, that kindness begets kindness. So pay it forward with everything that you've got. Mel, thank you for so generously answering an email from some random at the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital. Uh, we really appreciate you having us on board today. Oh, thank you so much for asking me. I love talking about how we can be more kind and I really look forward to um, hearing some more stories about how the listeners, how your listeners are embracing this as a life philosophy. We look to hearing you on your episodes of your podcast, so you've got, got a rare chance to give it a little <laughs> plug to our small, modest audience. So oh, this... thanks so much. I've just announced earlier before we started recording that I'm reinvigorating my podcast called This Connected Life. Um, let's say at the end of February. All right. I don't so know when this is going out, but let's say at the end of February. All right. No so... pressure. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You've said it now. So everybody, Disconnected Life with Mel Kettle. Mel, thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. Thanks very much. Bye. The Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital Five Things Nursing Podcast acknowledges the Turrbal and Yagara as the First Nations owners of the lands we now tread. We pay respect to their elders laws, customs, and creation spirits. We recognize that these lands have always been places of healing, teaching, and learning. We also wish to acknowledge the First Nations people of the lands of our global community and encourage our listeners to seek out, listen, and learn from the knowledge held in your shared space. 
As well as all major podcast outlets, you can find us at fivethingsnursing.podbean.com. Please also subscribe and give us a rating on your listening platform of choice. This helps others find the podcast. And finally, if you'd like to connect with Liz or myself on Twitter, we can be found at LizCrow2. And for me, it's inject underscore orange. We would absolutely love to hear your thoughts, ideas, or feedback. Thanks for listening to Five Things 